ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to tonight's episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and I'm joined by lots of folks tonight. We'll just list them off, and you guys can all fight over who gets to introduce yourselves first. But we're going to start with our guest for tonight, Mr. Paul Asadorian. Hi! Hey, how's it going, Nate? It's good to be here. It's it's great to have you here. And of course, I'm joined uh, by two of our usual co-hosts, Mark and Jason. Say hi. Fight. Go on. Hi. Strike the earth! Strike the earth. Yeah, no, okay. we're good. Hi, hey, Mark. Your, your hey, Paul. <laughs> Love it. That strike, strike the earth is the motto for Dwarf Fortress, but yep. more about that later. So uh, if if Paul starts to sing uh, Disney uh, uh, tunes, I'll, I'll be I'll be kind of surprised. Right, Your he's already got the hay thing going. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't sing much. We can I talk love about these that later. I love these doing hay. <laughs> uh. All right, folks. So uh, if you guys don't know who Paul is, I guess we'll we'll start there, right? Who is Paul and why is he on our show? So uh, if if you guys have been around podcasting in the IT world, specifically InfoSec, for what, what has it been, like 20 years, Paul? How long has your show been going? Uh, we started in uh, October of 2005. So almost 20 years, my God. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and I, I may get some of this history wrong because I wasn't a listener at the beginning. I, I picked you up probably a decade in, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you started out as just Security Weekly, right? Or was it Paul? Sec- it was Security Weekly, then you switched the name up. You started like a whole yeah. freaking... Uh, I mean, that's network. A, well, it's a funny story. So we started um, my nickname because I was such a nerd, even amongst my nerd friends. My nickname was Paul.com. And so that's what I called the show early on. Okay. Um, later on, we had to change the name due to a trademark dispute. Um, so like I did, I had my website was called Paul.com.com, like P-A-U-L-D-O-T-C-O-M.com. And so the person who owned Paul, period, com, like it's even difficult to communicate this to lawyers and such. Uh, my lawyer and I actually gave a joint presentation at uh, Source Boston Conference uh, on this whole thing called Hacking the Trademark. Um, so we ultimately had to change the name to uh, Security Weekly. So we called it Paul's Security Weekly instead of Paul.com Security Weekly. So we maintained Security Weekly. And then once I had left one of my day jobs, which we can get into, but um, and I did <clears throat> Security Weekly full time, it became the Security Weekly Network around 2015 timeframe. Okay, right. So that's uh, I was listening at the time when like you started mm-hmm. to branch out into more shows and mm-hmm. things like that. To be honest, it's, it was hard to keep up. <laughs> right? You, yeah, you were producing we launched- so much content. Yeah, I mean, we mo- a lot of the shows we launched were successful. Some were not. Uh, I still push to bring some of those shows back, um, but most of the shows we created were successful. So you know, that's that's kind of how we rolled, and we created new shows. And if it stuck, we kept we kept going with it. And the the way the rotation kind of worked was usually myself, sometimes Matt or another host um, would start the show. Like usually it was it was me in the beginning. So like application security weekly, I was a host on the show. And then over time, like I basically passed the torch and I'm like, you are now the primary host and I am not. So you carry on with the show. So like Adrian hosts enterprise security weekly. I'm like, dude, it's all, you got this. It's all, it's all you. So most of the shows I kind of nurtured from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, and then, and then passed the torch off to 
basically, I mean, they're um, essentially a bunch of my friends uh, that I brought on to like run all of the shows. Uh, and I have weekly calls with all of the hosts, one weekly call with all the hosts. And it's like the highlight of one of the highlights of my week every single week. Well, that's great. So if I ever want a week off, I'm just going to have Jason run the show. What do you think, Jason? There you go. Well, I'm so reliable, so you know. <laughs> You've been I'll reliable totally show up. <laughs> <laughs> Just usually a little late. That's all. Wait. So if I'm all right, hang on. So I got. I had. I can't be at the next one. Wait. I got to leave right now. Sorry. <laughs> I don't, don't want to get roped the, into you, having to run this. <laughs> you picked the yeah. wrong browser again, didn't you? Scheduling host is still is still a challenge. Yeah. Uh, scheduling scheduling in general hosting guests is. A very, as you guys know, a very challenging thing when it comes to running a podcast. Yeah. Now you you've actually got a studio though, don't you? That you guys get together to record in, or do you do things remotely like do. we're doing tonight? I do. Yeah. So at some point, uh, basically, my wife was uh, really upset with me. I mean, more than like the normal level of upset with me. Oh, don't get me wrong my, my my wife is wonderful we just went to see kevin hart and had a great time and we have three kids um but as most married couples you kind of get under each other's skin you, and uh-huh. when when you every and kevin week, hart have three kids no we don't <laughs> my wife and i have three kids and we went to see okay. kevin hart sorry okay how many um, kids do you have with kevin hart uh just two just two with oh, kevin okay. yeah <laughs> but so uh my wife had an extra reason to be upset with me, which is not what you want to do in marriage, like marriage advice. You don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that, uh, that she had was every week. And back then it was on Thursdays. All my friends would come over to do not one, but two podcasts. So we do Paul's security weekly. And then we do Stogie geeks uh, here in the studio that I'm, I'm sitting in, in my home. And we'd stay up, we'd drink and be loud and stay up really late and smoke cigars even after the show. And my friends lived like pretty much walking distance from where I am. So they would kind of, you know, stumble home and fall and be loud outside. (laughs) And it was like, at some point she was like, you can get that crap out of the house. She's like, I'm totally done. Let me ask a clarifying question. How Mm -hmm. old were the kids at this time? Oh, they were still like, uh, being born. Like, oh God! Yeah, twenty yeah. third. Like she was pregnant for some of the. Like she'd be asleep because she was pregnant with like our middle son, and we'd be you know having a good time where they'd be really little and yeah. you know, my, my friend stumbled and fell on a rock outside. Yeah, it was. It was bad. yeah that so, had to change. Yeah, so I was, I was so we looked into getting like a different house actually, which is like how much podcasting in my life, like actual life, intertwine. Like, well, what if we just buy a bigger house? Maybe it has a separate structure. I can have the office there. That actually fell through. I actually put an offer on a house that had an in-law that we we're going to run the business out of, hmm. uh, which not too many people actually even know about, quite frankly. Uh, and that fell through. They rejected our offer. And I happened to be, this will really floor you, at a cigar lounge. <laughs> like 12 minutes from my house, a new cigar lounge opened. And I started, I had a uh, cigar podcast at that time. And I started talking to the manager and I was like, this is really cool. I'm like, I'm going to come here and, and work. So I started doing more work from the cigar lounge. And I was walking out of the cigar lounge one day and I'm like, you guys have a, it was one of the, it's like a strip mall kind of thing. So there's like yeah. five units on top, five units on the bottom. Cigar lounge was up the top. And the, one of the units next to it was essentially empty. I'm like, what are you guys doing with that? I'm like, you're going to rent that. And I'm like, if so, I have two questions. 
I said, how much? And can we smoke in it? And I'm like, if the price is reasonable and the answer is yes to question two, you got yourself like a really reliable tenant. Because if I'm renting a place that I can smoke in, I'm <laughs> staying there for a really long time. And my friend, uh, now friend Todd, looked at me and he's like, let me check on that. And he came back almost immediately. He was like, yeah, dude. He's like, I can totally rent that. You can totally smoke. And I'm like, sold. And proceeded to start moving all my crap into this thousand square foot uh, unit that has since expanded. So we have uh, three units now. So we have uh, a thousand square feet dedicated to just uh, the studio and like a thousand square feet for office space and a thousand square feet for basically storage and stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the story of how we got a studio, which really super like helps out when you're doing a podcast, having a studio that's separate yeah, from your house and it's only 12 minutes down the street from my actual house so yeah that's the yeah. that's that's kind of the point that i was leading into right mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd yeah. be it'd be hard for me to hand off the reins of the show even just for a night to mark or jason just because all the production gear is here right, right. so and, and we know. have and we have producers <laughs> too uh we had producers pretty early on in our history because it got to the point where now keep in mind we're talking like uh, 2010-ish technology, running a podcast by yourself was not as, I wouldn't say it's easy today, but it was a lot harder back then to run it by yourself. So mm-hmm. we started adding producers. So we'd find basically interns in computer security that wanted to help out with our podcast. And I'm like, I just need you to run the live stream, right? Stuff similar to Riverside and what have you. <coughs> and then, you know, as we grew, we added full-time producers and we have full-time producers today. Um, and so I, I should say there's two different types of producers. If you want to get a little nerdy on like podcast operations for a moment, um, there's what I call production engineers. And those are the people that run the live streams, the mixers, the cameras, the lights, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about some of the tech that I built um, in that arena to help grow my business. Because, I mean, I think it's interesting and some of it's actually open sourced. Um, then there's the what I call like production operations, which are the folks that um, make sure we have all the hosts on the show, the guests on the show, that the social media promotions go out, that the podcast is getting published, like the operations of a podcast separate from the uh, engineering side. Um, so we grew to a point where we, we had those those roles. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, currently all of the production is on my shoulders, right? Like I do the editing, I do the recording, yeah. I do the live stream, I do the, it, which is why we get together half an hour before the show and basically I'm running around like a chick with my head cut off trying to get yeah. everything ready to go. And then yeah, Paul the tells me I, our website's down tonight, so. <laughs> I did. What was weird about that, Nate, is I saw that your website was down and I was like, that kind of looks like a, a WordPress error <laughs> in, in, in my sort experience. Of <laughs> and I'm like, second, I'm kind of jealous. Like, I'm such a nerd that if I don't have some kind of super hard problem that I have to solve because something's down or s- some problem needs to be solved, and it's not just academic, like it's a, a real world right. problem. Right. Like, if I don't, ha- it's like a drug. If I don't have that, like, I crave that. And so, like, when you were troubleshooting your website, I was super jealous. I was like, man, <laughs> I wish one of my websites was down and I had to stay up There's uh, and fix it. Arranged, Mr. There's, Bond. Yeah, there is, a, there is a certain amount of, like, uh, I don't know, is it like adrenaline to it mm-hmm. when, when you're trying to repair a thing? And 
folks who listen to this show, right? I mean, this whole this show is basically geared toward operations folks. I'm sure you guys understand. Um, sometimes it's like you're not looking for outages, but it is kind of exhilarating, right? Yes. To, to be, Dude, when you when you crack a tough problem, it's one of the yeah. best feelings oh, in the, in that's the world. It. Yep. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. It's like yes. Yeah. So. Um, yep. You know, a couple days ago, I was tinkering around. In fact, it was just last night. I was tinkering around with Owncast, which is um, we've talked a bit about Mastodon. Owncast mm-hmm. is a free, open source, self-hosted live streaming suite, uh, which is also federated with the Fediverse, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's running on the same machine that runs IronSysadmin.com and a couple other a couple of my other web things. So my first thought was. Did I break it by standing up Owncast somehow? So um turned out that that's not yeah. it. There's actually some sort of a database corruption error, which I'm going to have to look into after the show. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's I think it's nice to have the SaaS providers make these streams available and just make it super easy and just outsource that stuff. Mm-hmm. However, I really like the podcast. I listen to um a Linux podcast, Linux Unplugged. I think it's Linux Unplugged. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jupiter Broadcasting, and they have their own streaming server, and you have to be a member to watch their stream, and that gives you access to their, uh, what do they use, a matrix chat? Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if they're using Owncast or what they're using for their their stream, but the stream is only for subscribers, and I'm like, I kind of like that. I think there was a time when you'd have a podcast, and you just want to get it out in, in every avenue that you can. And that's some of my advice for creating a successful podcast. But I think you reach a point where you want to nurture your fan base, like the people who are regular subscribers, and give them something special. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, also economic times, recession, sponsors are one of the other super hard things with podcasting. It's nice to have they have a paid subscription uh, for their podcast. And a lot of people do this model. And part of that subscription is you get the access to the live stream. So I think that's super cool. I mean, I'd totally be down. Yeah, I've it's weird. It's hard, right? Because um obviously Mark, Jason, and I put time and effort into making Iron Sysadmin. Mm-hmm. But from day one, I've always wanted to keep it as open and freely available as possible, right? Uh but that's sort of at odds with paying for a podcast, right? Or even paying hosts, right? So we've done it for free. Mm-hmm. We have we have Patreon uh, so that folks can give us money if they choose to. And we make just enough on Patreon to basically cover the hosting costs and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. which to me is a win, right? That's that's enough. That's enough. Although well, we, we, do, we do better than that. Yeah, right. We've been able we, to buy equipment. Yes. Like the mic I'm using was yep. thanks to our generous patrons. Yep. Yep. But yeah, to your to your point, the three of us all have, you know, real grown up jobs. So it, it would be one thing if we were trying to make a living with the podcasting. So so Paul, what do you is the podcasting effectively a career for you? Or is it like a second is it like your your side job, side business, and you and you have a real company, air quote, that you work for? Um over time. Yes, both. So for a long time, right up until about 2015, it was a side hustle for me. In 2015, I le- I was working for what was then called Tenable Network Security. Now they're Tenable. Uh, I left Tenable. And, and that was super hard. It became I, untenable? 
Yeah, no, huh? Uh, huh? it didn't. Huh? That was actually, I'm glad you said that, Mark, because it, it was just the opposite. It was, I didn't want to leave because I loved the company, the people. Ron Gula is an amazing person. Renault, I mean, just all the people I worked with were amazing. And I'm like, guys, like it's reached the point where I got to make a decision. Like I can go grow this thing or I can still try and do both. And I'm just doing both a disservice. So I've made the decision to go do the pot. And they were super supportive. They're like, we totally get it. Like, go do your thing. Um, so I left, uh, resigned from Tenable, did the podcast full time. Um, in the meantime, it's interesting. Uh, Matt Alderman was my manager at Tenable. And after I left, he left, went to a startup, got that startup acquired, and then was looking for a job. And I contacted Matt and I was like, dude, you need to come work for Security Weekly. And I'm like, I want you to be CEO because I'm more of a tech person and an idea person. I'm not a business execution expert. Like I can fake it until we maybe make it. I'm like, but you're, you're the CEO. I'm the CTO. That could work really well. And amazingly, he said, yes. He was like, let's go do this. Uh, and a little over a year later, we were acquired by the Cyber Risk Alliance. Um, and so I worked for Cyber Risk Alliance for over a year or so. Um, and then went back uh, to working a full-time gig. So today, I'm the principal security evangelist for a company called Eclipsium that does firmware security. The driving force behind that was really, I, I like to solve hard problems, and I think firmware is a really hard problem. And it's so firm, right? It's very firm. That makes firm. it hard. It is. It's firm, yes. Well, I mean, firmware is... Oh, is this one of these podcasts, that type of podcast? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I, one of my favorite sayings is that, uh, it is not my saying, I stole it from the internet, but firmware is just software that's inconvenient to program. Um, mm. And the other thing that I found at Eclipsium was a, a, a bunch of folks that were just amazing. And I'm like, this kind of reminds me of like the awesome people I worked with at Tenable. And the folks I work with today are just, they're so smart. I mean, we wouldn't know a lot of things we know about firmware insecurity if it wasn't for some of my coworkers. Um, and so I made the decision to leave Cyber Risk Alliance and flip it back, right? So I work full time for Eclipsium. And now the podcasting is back to, I'm a consultant um, for the Cyber Risk Alliance uh, doing podcasts and like sysadmin stuff too, which is kind of ironic. I always like to keep my hands dirty in the sysadmin uh, realm. So I maintain a bunch of stuff uh, yeah. for them as well. So, so, so you're 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 an evangelist now. Does that mean you get to I run am. around with a book and like bang on the yes. book and hail yell at pulpits and firmware and yeah, all that. Wait, so you you know so you work in marketing no. too? Then I do. So I do report up through <laughs> marketing, right? And I I look at my role as an evangelist, which is a funny title, I know. Um, yeah. And I kind well, of a- I kind of cringe and, and fight it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm like, okay, no, this is this is what I do. But I take like really deep technical research or even just research that's not deep technical and i try and bring that to the masses and put that in front of as many people yeah. uh as possible so no, I, well, I, I i get I, it and the, the the reason i joke about it is because if you've been listening to the show like three three and a half months ago i switched roles from a very technical customer facing role to a technical marketing role Right. So I'm mm-hmm. still very much yes. technical. I'm yes. still very much hands on keyboard. I'm still very much like in the weeds of technical stuff. But marketing's in uh, my title. And I always cringe whenever I tell somebody I work in marketing. <laughs> well, and, I'm, and I'm the only technical it. guy left on the show. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. so. <laughs> Blah. 
And you being an evangelist is actually perfectly appropriate because, and, and we said this the other day, no one's an atheist when they're updating their firmware. <laughs> yeah, man, you pray to God every time. And what I realized, like, I thought I knew some stuff about firmware. Um, Larry and I wrote a book about WRT54G routers and their firmware and stuff. And then I got to work at, Tano, at uh, Eclipsium, rather, and I was like, oh, my God, this rabbit hole goes deep with the firmware that's on your PC servers and laptops. It was just amazing how little I realized I didn't I didn't know. And when you update that stuff, man, it's you can easily create bricks. I mean, there's can I can I now can I I'm not sure if I'm allowed to announce it. I haven't been told I can't announce it. Oh, um, no. But I'll I'll announce I'll announce it here uh, on the show, and I'll I'll try and leave out uh, as many details as possible. It's a but scoop. It is a scoop because uh, I think I forgot to mention it on on my show, the last recording uh, we did for the year on my show. Um, but I have been accepted to speak at ShmooCon, um, and so that's part of my evangelizing this problem that we have uh, with firmware and, and highlighting some awesome research that um, wasn't my research to begin with. But I kind of picked it up and I, I learned enough about it to go, I want to present this. Um, and the founders of the company were like, yeah, absolutely. Our founders are well, awesome. But I don't congratulations. Want to like Thank you. I love talking in front of nerds and, uh, and regular people, too. Yeah. But yeah, that, that whole desire to, to not lose your technical edge, I get it. Because I was a technical account manager for six and a half years. And then yeah. in March... I became the manager of some other technical account managers. And I love it. It's a mentoring role. I'm developing mm -hmm. nerds and stuff. But it's one of the reasons that I do things like run my own Mastodon server yeah, on my man. Raspberry Pi and yes. like SSH into my Steam Deck and all that crap and do all that. Because you, you wanna you wanna keep the technical stuff, you don't want it to dull out. Yeah, I I, I do everything i can to stay sharp uh i'm writing one of my websites in flask because i the podcast software i wrote was in flask we can talk about that if you want when you want um i run because i'm i'm required like it's in the unwritten contract i'm required to tell everyone that i run linux on all of my desktops um and, it, and it's manjaro and i'm happy to elaborate on on how awesome linux is on the desktop <laughs> And that's just, you know some of the things I do to stay. I maintain some of the systems um, at the studio uh, as well, uh, and you know I stay involved with the research at uh, at my day job uh, as well. So I I end up testing a lot of what research is creating. That stuff I can't talk about yet, but um, you know our, our researchers and developers are are amazing. Create great stuff uh, for me to play around with. So cool. Nice. All right, so we've already gone down a number of rabbit holes, but that's fine. I figured that that's exactly how I thought this episode was yeah. going to go. Um, yeah, let me know where where you which rabbit hole you want to dig deeper on. So I'm I'm actually really curious. Uh, so the whole the whole thing that got this started, the whole thing that got you on the show, mm. was a couple episodes back on Security Weekly. Um, you mentioned that you listened to our show, and you yes. mentioned that it feels like a very earlier version of your own show, right? And Correct. that kind of, Jason mentioned it to me, right? And then I went and listened to the show to make sure that he wasn't just like leading me astray because he wouldn't do that, right? Um, and I was just- Yes, I would. I, I mean, I was, no, of course not. 
I, I then reached out to you because you were also talking about Mastodon on that show. So I reached out to you through Mastodon, and I was I think I was jabbing you about something you mentioned about the verification process. Oh on, yeah, I got shit. I got Mastodon. shit wrong, man. I got shit wrong, <laughs> and it happens. I get shit wrong, and if I do, please tell me, and yeah. I will correct it. And we did, and I just wrote a post about Mastodon, coincidentally enough. So if there's more shit wrong, please tell me, and I'll fix it. Yeah, well, I mean, Mastodon is a very interesting switch from Twitter. It feels so similar to Twitter when you first log in and start using it, and then you realize as soon as you get past the surface, it's very different. A very different culture, a different community, a different set of mechanisms, right? So it's it's very... Um, I can understand why people are getting it wrong, especially people who've used Twitter forever, like I did, and, I'm sh- and you have, and Jason yeah, has. Yeah, because it's right? different. Yeah, yeah it's the yeah. same, I, but different. I, 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 mean, I think I'm, it's I'm broken. Like a, you think it's broken? Right? I, I, yeah, yeah I haven't nailed broken. that yet. Oh right! If no. <laughs> no. If you, yeah, I mean, well, if you're Twitter and use Mastodon, it can feel like it's broken. But I'm very much a reluctant social media user, right? So, I mean, I, 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 I like I created accounts on most of the social media. Like I can't do Instagram. Like I, I feel like I don't have enough social media cycles. Yeah. To do anything else. Yep. Which was Nothing weird. On the then, gram. I, then I added, but then I added Mastodon to the mix, and I was like, but this feels more natural than Instagram does. For whatever reason, right? And then, um, what's interesting is I've been like reluctant about it. Like I, I like I know you should grow it and do certain things to yeah. grow your followers and all Why? that stuff and post. And I'm like, the what gets me about the social media networks is the amount of content you have to give them in order to further your profiles so that you can promote things. And I'm like, I just don't know if I want to give you that much content, to be quite honest with you. Like, why am I... I, I don't think that would work on Mastodon, though. Probably not. Right? Yeah, no, because it's I a different there's, piece. Like, you- there's, there's a lot of companies that thought Mastodon was just like another Twitter. Like, oh, good, good. How do I start advertising? Well, you kind of don't, right? Where do Where do I host my account? Do I just go to some central server somewhere? Well, you can, but that's kind of not the model, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting how Mastodon is kind of how we ended up doing all this together. It is funny. Right? It's funny how that worked out. Mm. But so the whole the whole thing I was trying to loop around to, and the reason that, yeah. that you mentioning that Iron Sysadmin feels like an earlier version of uh, Security Weekly is because, and I've told the story on this show uh, near the beginning, when I formed mm. Iron Sysadmin, I had in my brain this idea of almost like a merger of two different shows. One of them was the Defensive Security Podcast with Jerry, mm-hmm. who yep. ironically we had on the show last time we recorded because uh, we yep. were talking about Mastodon. Um, so good. And Paul's Security Weekly. Because That's awesome. Security Weekly felt like a fun show where a bunch of guys just, well, folks, I should say, got together, had a good time Nerds. and talked about technology, right? I mean, that, I mean, that was my business plan. To have, My business have plan from the beginning. And <laughs> it wasn't even, I didn't even think of it as a business necessarily. Right. Um, although episode one was kind of pseudo sponsored by Core Security. They bought the beer for the first episode. But my vision was just, I want to get my friends together. I want to drink and I want to talk security and I want to record it. And that was the vision. And right. I'm like, you, got, you guys seem like you had that same, that same kind of ideology. Yeah, that's, that, that's, pretty much how I wanted to run the show. And Jason and mm-hmm. I started this off and that's kind of how we've run it since the beginning. We've tweaked this and that, but it's always been mm-hmm. let's get together, let's be us, let's have fun, 
right? And that's that's yeah. part of why I've never gone down like the deep sponsorship routes and whatever, um, just because sometimes that can lead to uh, influencing the, the the content of the show, right? And I'm sure yeah, that's tricky. I'm sure there's ways to avoid that. But I've just never had the headspace to really work that out, right? So we've stayed the way we I, I, are. <laughs> I, I would hate to get a sponsor and then have to explain how much we love that sponsor, even though they sucked. Oh, it always right. That <laughs> sounds so fake. Like when you're watching a YouTube video, like there's a couple of streamers that are or a couple of YouTube personalities. I like their stuff, and then they kick into like ad mode, and I'm like, ah. Oh, this yeah. is this this is such a turn off. This sounds yeah. so fake to me. Yeah, yeah. we we've tried and, and like you know the VPNs. The personal VPNs are the ones like everyone's like, oh, I have a podcast and this is sponsored by XYZ VPN, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, really? Like, Do you really believe? I mean, we've had those sponsors on the show before, but our our thing has always been I want sponsors that I actually believe in the in the products. Right. And then that's hard now. Right. So having a, a master company or parent company is bringing in sponsors like I, I still need to vet the sponsors to a certain degree like in one of my litmus tests is can i have a real conversation about technology and security with someone from that company because if we do like that that's cool right and their product has to actually work and solve a problem for someone that's always been our requirements be like we're going to add you as a sponsor and one of the reasons i think sponsors may also come and go is maybe they don't come on the show because i'm like no 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 like we can't have that that particular sponsor on the show but then I do a briefing with them and they're like, oh, like we changed and we're like, we're doing this now and here's how it works. And I'm like, show me a demo. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like, yeah, you should come on the show and talk about that because you're solving a problem for someone in a real way. So let's let's do it. The big the only- green egg, they could totally sponsor Iron Sys Admin. I'd be totally cool with that. <laughs> oh, there we go. Only big if they, I like, only I like, if they send I like, me a like, smoker. I like the green egg. Uh, I haven't used one, but I went hasty bake. Uh, it's one of my. Now I, gotta, now I have to. It's Google one of my favorite egg children. Is. The green egg is a uh, Komodo style uh, ceramic grill ceramic smoker. Yeah. Oh, okay. and it's possible. It's usually I have four biological children, and the egg is often my favorite child. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I did, really like. Uh, I really like my hasty bake. Um, it, I mean, it's similar. You you got to build fire, and fire. You, you can do the. With Hasty Bake, you can change the height of the fire. So you build fire in this uh, uh, firebox that is controlled by a crank. And so you can raise the crank uh, up and down. So you put it all the way raise down. Raise the crank! All the Bring way down for smoking. <laughs> Bring the fire up when you want to do some searing. I like how Mar- you should, we, we're like on a Hasty Bake commercial now. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and you've got heat shields and you've got your water pan like i just it, it, but it's i mean it's similar to a green egg you're building fire man right and the green egg i use the egg genius which is a flame boss uh oem mm-hmm. and and that's a wi-fi cloud enabled fan that controls the yes. temperature perfectly yes. so there's there's nerd there's nerd tech absolutely i have a traeger too i mean people call it the easy bake oven and you know that, i fully admit that but like on Thanksgiving, when I did the turkey, I'm like, I'm putting it in the Traeger because you know what? It's cold, and I want to be inside drinking coffee, not tending to fire. <laughs> so I didn't right cold. now. I, right. We, 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 were, we were out one day, my wife and I. I walked by a grill and said, ooh, it has Wi-Fi. And she rolled mm-hmm. her eyes, and that's how I knew I was never going to have that grill. <laughs> no Wi-Fi well, grills for it you. Sa- it no sounds Wi-Fi ridiculous for me. on the face of it, but there's something to be said 
about having the algorithm control your pork butt. You put the pork butt on at nine o'clock at night and you go to bed sleeping peacefully, knowing that it will tend that fire flawlessly. You're not concerned that the algorithm is going to turn your pork butt into Hitler and it's going to kill you in the night? Because that's what algorithms do. Except when it does a firmware. Yeah. Except when it does a firmware update. So there was one Thanksgiving (laughs) a few years ago. And so I was up really early uh, because I I learned to like have dinner later. So I didn't have to be up as early. Uh, But I was up pretty early on one Thanksgiving. I went outside, turned my uh, Traeger smoker on. And it said performing firmware update. Now, notice I said it, it didn't ask like press oh, yeah. accept for the firmware update. You're doing no, it. It's just freaking doing it. kicked on. Whether you like it, it or not. It phoned home. Yeah, it phoned home and it was like, no, no, no. You're doing a firmware update. And I'm like, are you serious right now? It's 28 degrees outside. It's like six or five in the morning. And I'm standing there while a firmware update is You're happening. You're going to ruin my Thanksgiving it, with your firmware I wasn't update. the only one. Yeah, I wasn't relevant. the only one. I wasn't the only one that was like, why is my trigger doing it? Like they picked very poor timing to do that. So now I've learned if, if I'm going to do smoke on my Traeger, the night, the day, like a bit, a big smoke, a longer smoke. Boot it the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fire that shit up the day before it, you update your firmware, make sure it all is well. And then, and, and then the next but that, that could have ruined your, that could have ruined your Turkey day. I mean, a zero day on Turkey day. That's, that's not, you don't want zero that. Day, it could have been a zero day holiday. That's literally a zero day holiday right there. <laughs> That would be a genuine tragedy. And you'll note how we kept everything relevant it's to not only technology, but to your specialty. Firmware. Yeah, to firm, so, to this firmware, man. So, Nate, you have to cut these pieces out. And these are the ones that you send to prospective folks that want to sponsor right. us to show that we can just build this right into the conversation. Right. Absolutely. Right. Totally flawless. The, the, <laughs> The best, the best I've ever heard of building it into the conversation was uh, I listened to a podcast called Dark Dice. It's like a D and D style podcast, hmm. and a couple recent episodes they kept going on and on and on about these these mattresses, and it was just they worked it right into the story. It was everywhere throughout the entire story, and I was like, wow, okay, so they got a sponsor. The whole thing was a joke, wasn't a sponsor, but it was the best sponsorship advertising yeah. I've ever heard in the show. Well, I, I, so I hate that too. So one of the things in building the security weekly podcast and having sponsors, I said, I want sponsors that are relevant to my audience mm-hmm. that are relevant to what they do for a, a day job. Right. Cause not everyone does it and not everyone does security. And I'm like, so we're a niche podcast. Like, you just gotta like have this like face to face conversation with yourself in the mirror. Like I, I am not, a true crime podcast that anyone can listen to. Like there is a niche to my audience. Yeah. And so I said, just, look, just a our bit. sponsors. Yeah. Our sponsors are going to serve that niche. So no sponsors like for mattresses, meal programs, like the whole thing. If you're going to be a sponsor on the show, you're going to solve a problem for a cybersecurity professional. So the, my and, we other... need v- and we don't need, we don't need more VPNs. Yeah. Right. No. No, you oh, take the VPNs for the VPNs. Yeah, my my yeah. my other creative outlet is the uh, YouTube channel that I run, where I talk about jeeps and off roading and builds mm. and stuff like that. And um, anyone who's ever watched any automotive niche uh, YouTube content 
whatever car you're into, you'll always find those channels that do nothing but review products. They get a thing, they talk about it like it's the best thing in the world, they move on to the next thing, just because they want the free stuff, right? And I've always yeah. fought to make sure that my channel did not turn into that. And, be, and it's probably cost me views, right? Because I actually have integrity. Um, but um, the number of things I've had to turn down where it's like, hey, we've got, you know, uh, I don't know. Let me think of one. It's like like a, a cigarette lighter adapter coffee mug. Can you review it on your channel? I'm like, it's oh, that is so almost related but no, but no. Not. Have you even yeah. looked at my channel? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but, but, I mean, we, you know, we've even focused on enter, like security for a business, enterprise security, yeah. right? Not so much even personal security. And I think they have a, they've got a good fit perhaps with some Linux podcasts. And so when I start I, earlier this year, maybe, I don't know, eight months ago, I started delving into Linux podcasts and I realized they're all, their sponsors are like, you could count them on one hand, like the same set of sponsors sponsor all of the Linux podcasts. And it's a great fit. I mean, it's, right. I mean, I, I, I don't get any money from Linode, right? But I use them and I think it's a great product. And I think if your audience is Linux nerds, that's probably a really good fit, right? Yeah. And I, I don't fault them for that. Yeah. I, I would, we I would review anything just, just. Just as long as they realize that my review is going to be real. Yeah, that's so the other thing. Send, yes. If yeah. you send me a crappy product, I'm going to shit all over it all during the show. I got I got one. This was actually uh, a company had reached out to me. This is in the Jeep world again. They make like suspension components and stuff, which is perfect for the sort of stuff that I do. I'm like, oh, this is great. I finally have someone that reached out to me. Like, this is perfect. I can partner with these folks. I can get parts I'll actually be able to use and review. This is cool, right? They happen to be Chinese, right? But I'm... I'm trying not to judge just because they're from China, whatever, right? So they have me go to their website and say, okay, pick out something that's below a certain price point. We'll send it to you. You do a review. Cool. So I pick out this thing. It's like a tailgate table thing for the back of the Jeep. They send it to me. You didn't, like, you didn't go for like the bumper nuts? Yeah, right. That's exactly what I wanted. No, this, this was something mm -hmm. I thought I could actually use. Uh, it's something okay. I can actually review, right? I get it. It is a direct ripoff of an American company's product. It even has a photocopy of the American company's instructions in the box. And it arrived damaged. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think so I contacted them and I said, look, I can't review this. If I review this, American viewers are going to know that you've copied this other company because they're very identifiable. I can't even work with this, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, they apologized and that was the end, right? But yeah. Yeah, anyway, in, tangent, in cybersecurity, right? <laughs> but in cybersecurity, we've used that as an opportunity to help the company and be like, mm -hmm. like maybe you want to sponsor, whatever. Like we'll evaluate your products. Like here's maybe how you should market this product, how you should change the product to help to varying degrees of success with said companies. But you know, we've helped uh, a number of companies uh, in a number of different capacities, right? Get better and. That's more the exception. Like usually when we're working with a company, like I'm like, okay, you got a good product, promote it to our audience. That's cool. Right. Right. But cigars is different though. <laughs> oh, oh, bad. Because it's very, <laughs> it's very personal. And it's one of the things I've struggled with on podcasts. Like what if you either like are approached by a cigar company or you find a product and you don't like it, how do you deal with the sponsorship? 
right? And the I think the only middle ground that we found in cigars is most cigar companies produce more than one type of cigar, more than one blend, I should say. And so you can kind of find the one you like the most, right? And and promote that. But that's a very it's also very subjective. Uh, but but you can legitimately say security. Yeah. You can right. legitimately I, say I like this the cigar is my favorite don't. cigar. Yes, and then you can say oh, that's your favorite, right? But I, I may not like that cigar, but other people might, and so that it's a very it's slippery slope on cigars because it is very subjective. But I feel like in technology, there's a certain level of subjectivity, but not as much as with a cigar or whiskey, right? Yeah, but they like, they have. Get, they have religious debates there as much as they do in the, in the oh, IT world. For sure, I mean, dude. Oh, for the, sure. Which distro of Linux is the best? Which cigar is the oh, best? Oh, my God. I mean, come on. Yeah. I am really liking Manjaro Linux. I, I, I picked Linux in your example and not, and not cigars. We can go to cigars and whiskey, too. But I did – I don't want to say a lot of distro hopping, but I had my frustrations with – Ubuntu, because it it's not kept. So my, here's my issue with Ubuntu and many other distributions. Here's They're, the problem with all of you. Right? <laughs> it's in your official repositories, your software is either one, out of date, or two, the software I want is not in your repository. So in both those cases, I got to go find some other way to get your soft, to get the software that I want. And now I'm looking at an app image. I'm looking at Snap. I'm looking at Flatpak. Um, in in then I'm uh, then I have a supply chain issue, right? Which is a big thing for my day job company. Um, but in Linux, I'm like I have this supply chain issue. Who do I trust to package my software? I switched to Manjaro. One reason was because it's a rolling release, it tends to be more updated, and my software comes from the community. And I don't have to rely on a snap, a flat pack, or an app image, or in in most cases, God forbid, compile from source. Right? Hey, <laughs> don't you don't don't you smack down make make install, dude? I don't. I'm, I'm not smacking it down, but if I don't know, in modern distributions, if you're compiling from source, yeah, something probably it can be dicey, man. It yeah, might, it can be. It's might. something. It's a real edge case if you're compiling from my, source, right? And my it, first job as a real admin, right, not just a hobby. Uh, the guy that ran the place decided that FreeBSD was what he wanted to run his web hosting stuff on. He like free DNS, SD? everything was on FreeBSD. And of course, and that's cool. I like FreeBSD. I mean, a lot. it. I, I got a bad taste in my mouth from it just because of working for him. But everything yep. is compiled from source. Everything comes from the port tree. Everything you have to do from source. There's no package manager. Well, I guess you could call well, ports, ports a package is, manager, yep. but it's not really right. packages, it's, it's, right? It's just it's tar like balls. Gentoo. It's, <laughs> it's like Gentoo. You're compiling from. Yeah. There's like this spectrum, man, of like how hands-on you want to be with your Linux and or BSD or whatever distribution. Yes. I, yeah. I don't, I don't that tend, in my opinion, it's not that I don't want to. In my opinion, right? that's I, fine for your hobby OS, for your desktop, yes. right? It's not fine for your enterprise level stuff. It, yeah, it depends on your use case. I, pretty much what I was going to say, Nate, like it depends on your use case, right? Yeah. Like you may want to play in those waters and that's cool. And I, I, I may, if there's a requirement to do so, but most of the time I'm kind of backing off to that. And I don't want to go like all the way to the 
it's spoon fed to you like Debian kind of Ubuntu because that frustrated me for the reasons I mentioned. Yeah. It'll be somewhere in between. And even Arch Linux was a little too bleeding edge for me and hands on. And the thing I liked about Manjaro that I don't hear a lot of people talking about is they actually have this test cycle where they take Arch Linux, they the latest version of Arch, they'll build it, they'll test it, and then they'll come up with a Manjaro release. So it's kind of like a a, a more well-tested uh, and more integrated environment than you would get from just Arch. And I think Arch is, Arch is great, but I'm like, I don't need to be like that. I don't need to select and customize and maybe compile my own desktop environment. I, I want Manjaro to do that for me and I want to choose GNOME and that works great. But I want like the update that came recently was GNOME 43 and it solved like a whole bunch of problems for me. And like other distributions aren't going to see GNOME 43 for like a really long time. I'm like, I'm kind of done with that. So this was like a, and again, it for me, that worked really well. And I think everyone just has to kind of find their own distribution that suits their needs and requirements so manjaro is a basically a downstream of arch is that what you're saying yeah okay yeah that's correct i've you never know, used a great either. post where they I haven't used arch yeah. i haven't used manjaro it's a great post where they kind of there's a, a flow chart where they kind of show them taking the arch and the steps they go through to create uh, manjaro and manage the the releases so it's a more uh well integrated and tested kind of version of arch basically for the desktop my favorite Arch distro is Steam OS, but yeah. oh, is, and is, Steam is a, Steam is doing some amazing things, man. Like I, I, I want a Steam Deck Arch. really bad. It is, yeah. It's Arch. That's cool. It's yeah. their own Arch. It's like a fork. Is it a fork of Arch? Yeah, Arch? effectively. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. They just did a rebase with their last uh, with their last patch for the deck that that dropped all, out production I, this week. Everything I've heard, man, they're doing awesome stuff, and they've yeah. got. The last thing I heard is that they've got a hundred developers working on Proton, which is the Windows emulator. Proton's the compatibility layer. Yeah. Yeah. The, the deck is the awesome, deck is man. the deck blows my mind. Elden Ring runs better on my deck than on my gaming PC, if you'll believe that. Like how is that possible? I it's, know. That's right? like game that's like you just said games run better on Linux than they do on Windows. <laughs> I mean, not just right? Linux, like, but this little well, handheld Linux. <laughs> that, that's kind of running Arch. It's an eight-core beast. I know. It's, it, oh, the, it's, oh, yeah, it's awesome, man. The awesome game awesome games have run better on Linux for a long, as long as they're not the emulated port crap that they like to put out because it's easy. Mm-hmm. If right. you write it natively for Linux and oh, you write yeah. it natively for Windows, the Linux port will blow it out of the water every time. Well, generally... Which is, which is just... It's, it's just astonishing, it's for the, right? Because you think about It's for the same reason and, any service runs better on Linux because the operating system is not as bloated in most cases, right? As compared to like well, a Windows machine, right? Well, I, I will tell you, Jason, the, the non native linux stuff on the deck is amazing to me too how well it runs yeah 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 it's a lot of it a lot of it does run the 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 shims that they use to emulate windows have gotten really really good but but, i mean part of the reason is that when you when you load a windows machine it loads up a ton of crap that you just you don't know is there but it has Mm. to run because it has to be backwards compatible with dos i was just gonna say right like it's all backwards compatible crap all the way down the line and as a result, yep. because of all that emulation layer and all the other shit that's running in there and the, the heavy the heavy Windows UI and everything else, like it's the same reason I don't like running Windows servers, right? Because like, why does my server need a GUI ever? Like, well, 
The only why would yeah. you need that? And I know they have core now, but like it's the same thing. Like, what? Why do you? The, it, it's always slower. We run something on Linux. Same same idea. Like it's so much faster. I can run a thousand things on a single Linux box, or I can get to like five on a Windows box, and it falls over. The only reason I haven't nuked my gaming rig and just put Linux on it, or like Valve is go. You can actually do this today, but Valve is going to do a production level support of it. Actually, install the Steam OS that's on the deck onto a regular Intel yeah, box. Yeah, I'm excited for that, man. That's the awesome. only reason I haven't done that is the virtual reality stuff. Yeah, because that's still not like Flight Simulator 2020 in VR. I need Windows for it. I would. Well, okay, yeah, Flight Simulator. I would think you'd still need Windows, but uh, I would say Steam games that use VR, like Steam VR, will probably, if it's not already will be coming to SteamOS or whatever they're calling it that you run on your Steam Deck because of the work yeah. they're doing on supposedly the Valve yeah. Index 2, which is going to be a Steam Deck-based headset. Which is oh, interesting. like Fat. crazy, right? There's there's a bunch of leaks Fat. and whatever out there. but uh, that, that would, yes, I would love that because that, that'll be the first headset I buy because I've, I don't have a Windows box. I'd, and I refuse I'd, to buy anything that Meta touches. I'd been I'd been wanting to get a uh, Valve Index for a while just because I want the upgraded displays. And I keep waiting now because I keep hearing about this information about the new Index, which is going to be what I just described. Supposedly, anyway. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyway, we've gone all over the place. Um, yeah. We're, we've already been going almost an hour, although we did start a little late, so we probably have a little bit of leeway yet. Um Paul, I had this idea in my head that we'd talk about how your like career in ops had led you into podcasting. Is there is there a story there? Is there really like 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 I insisted and I started because it seemed fun. It seemed like there wasn't a lot of ops focused podcasts, right? Is that kind of what happened for you, or I don't know? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. There's a story there for sure. So I was working. In, so in 2005, I was working for uh, Brown University, uh, actually, which is right here in Rhode Island. It's a gr- great, I mean, the campus, the people, it's, a, it's another one of those jobs where I'm like, I really miss working there because of the environment, great people, great environment. I mean, a lot of people don't know that some of like the early Apple developers came out of Brown's uh, computer science department, that the, the character Andy in Toy Story the rumor is it was based on a professor whose first name was Andy, um, who was there when I was there at Brown teaching computer science. <laughs> That's Brilliant cool. computer science. Yeah. Like amazing stuff. Jason and I so both I have, Brown. have a history in higher ed. And I think, yeah. I think we'll both agree there was a point where that was a great place to work. Yeah. yeah. So I, I started in um, at Brown University in 2001 um, as a sysadmin with a specialty in security. Um and it was it was amazing. And so I would give these presentations to folks on campus, right? Because you work for a university, they've a university has multiple schools, so they've got physics and engineering and English and history, and all of these are they're essentially colleges uh, inside the university, but they're like their own business units, mm-hmm. similar to a large corporation. And so they would all get together, the systems administrators from all the different. Um, basically colleges within the university get together for a monthly meeting. And one of the things we would do is I would present to them what's happening in security today. What am I seeing on the network? What am I seeing in the news? 
what websites are being hacked and things like that. And so I gave those presentations quite a bit. It was a great knowledge and sharing uh, kind of thing that was happening. Um, in fact, one of the one of the brightest security researchers in our field, Josh Wright, uh, was involved in that community early on. And I think it was within my first month or so going to those meetings, Josh was giving a presentation. And that's how I met Josh. Josh lives here in, in Rhode Island. Um, so it was awesome. But like politics happen at universities, as you folks know. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you know, we're going to change this meeting or whatever. And I wasn't able to give that presentation anymore. And I was talking to my coworker, whose uh, nickname is Duck Sauce. And Duck Sauce was like, dude, you should do a podcast. And I'm like, dude, what is a podcast? He's like, well, you get this. At the time, Apple had just released um, the iPod. The iPod, the first iPod, like not that long, like 2005, the iPod was released. I don't know how many years before. I can't remember the exact time frame. So I bought an original iPod from one of my coworkers who worked in the network group at, at Brown. I started listening to podcasts. I listened to a lot of Leo Laporte stuff. Um, I, I uh, the uh, Twit Network. Okay. And I was like, ah, this is cool. He's like, you should do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, sounds good. I'm like. When we go to this conference, <laughs> how hard can it be? Like, yeah, so we set up a mic, we get around and drink, and we talk about security. <laughs> It'll be a podcast. It's going to be great. And through this network of university folks um, is how I met Larry Pesce. And I was like, Larry, we do a podcast. And he's like, Paul, what's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so I explained it to him, right? And I'm like, we sit around, we drink, and we record it, and then we put it out as an MP3 file. He's like, that sounds great. He's, I'm like, we're all going to the SANS conference uh, in New Orleans. I'm like, we, we should do a podcast and I don't know, we'll call it Paul.com Security Week. And we're like, all right, whatever, cool. And then Hurricane Katrina hit and uh, the conference got moved to Los Angeles. So we're like, all right, whatever, go, let's go to Los Angeles. And we were in the hotel that was in an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. True Lies was it? True Lies, might have been. It was oh, no idea. Yeah, the there's like four towers in the hotel. It's like a pretty famous hotel. It it's has horrible. a restaurant. Yeah, it has a restaurant that spins around at the top. And we weren't in the spinny part. We were kind of in the middle that didn't spin around. And we recorded uh, episode one of what was then called Paul.com Security Weekly. That's cool. And <laughs> through another mutual friend. So, like, what started? Like, I don't know what would have happened had it not happened this way. But through another mutual friend, um, Sunshine, Jennifer Steffens, uh, worked for Marty Resch doing uh, – he did the Snort Project back then. And she was like, I can get you an interview with Marty. I'm like, no way. I'm like, Marty's like my hero. Like, I need to software all the time. Um, and so we got an interview with Marty Resch at that conference recorded in his hotel room uh, and released those episodes. And like, basically the rest is history. Like, this is kind of fun. Like, hold on. We get to get together every week, drink beer, talk about security and call it like a podcast. that's like essentially work. And we're like, okay, yeah, this, yeah, let's, let's do this. When you have to put work in um, quotes, you have to wonder if it's really work. Yeah, it was it's work. work. <laughs> right? Yeah. Work. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's that's we'll do our basically how it started. It's a and podcast, drink beer, and, and so we like we just go out, we'd go out to like our our friends. We're like, dude, you need to be on a podcast, and of course they're 
first question was, what's a podcast? How many times do you do a podcast? Like, like every, you know, like every time. Back there. At, least, yeah. there was, At least when when we started, it was already established. Everybody knew what yeah. a podcast was, right? Like you could, yeah. you could find so a podcast there was a, about anything at that point. <laughs> there was a tipping point. I'm not sh- quite sure where it was where we didn't have to answer that question right. any, any, any longer. Um, but in the beginning, we did. And so we just go to our friends um, and be like, Hey, you want to come do a podcast? And so we had like lots of hosts that would cycle through, um, and uh, eventually, like I, there was a time where we would pick a location for the podcast, and logistically that got really hard because we were like maybe going to our uh, place of employment to record podcasts off hours. Mm-hmm. We were going to each other's houses and picking. And we're like, that's way too much logistics. I'm like, all right, everyone just comes to my house, and we sat around the bar in my basement in my house and recorded the podcast. Um, and yeah, that's what, that's what we did. And random people would, would show up and there was always shenanigans, shenanigans. shenanigans. <laughs> it was shenanigans that would happen. Yeah. Jason, I don't know if you remember yeah. this, but way back when Keith was still running that Northeast PA InfoSec group that he was trying to start up, and he did that. Yep. He he tried to do a podcast and then accidentally erased it. And and you and me oh, and a couple yes. other folks were there at the yes. restaurant with him. Um, that yes. that was kind of the first thing that made me think I might actually try this. And it was like it might have been a year or two later um, that we that we finally formed Iron Sissman. Yeah, so, it was. It would have been the it would have been the best podcast anyone ever heard. But if anybody Keith, ever heard it, Keith. Uh, <laughs> and for whatever reason, like. It. Like, we always tried to do video, right? Like, that was always big for me because I'm like, audio is going to be one thing, but I'm like, mm-hmm. video is going to be, and, I'm, and people yeah. sometimes fight me on it. I'm like, no, we need to do as much video as we can with the audio. And there we would record, like, ridiculous videos. We had um, one of our guys was like a video videographer kind of person, and we'd have him recording us doing all kinds of ridiculous, ridiculous stuff like before youtube like blew up if you will. before tiktok i mean this is yeah. like larry and i were i we didn't have shirts on and we were standing there recording like a hack naked kind of promo because that was like our slogan we were recording that and like pizza was being delivered and my dog got loose and knocked over a plant and larry and i had no shirts on and we didn't gonna go upstairs and like freak out the delivery driver like there was just we would shoot we would get all kinds of old technology uh like laptops and stuff and larry larry is a builder so my partner in crime for podcasting for the past 17 years has been larry pesci and larry's a builder like larry he's a maker he can build anything and he was like i can build potato cannons like there's no tomorrow (laughs) and so he would build all these potato cans i'm like do we need to i don't even know how we came up with the idea i'm like Let's just get a bunch of old laptops and let's shoot them with potato cannons. He's like, everyone's like, seems legit. Why not? It sounds like great content, (laughs) right? We'd film it and we put it out there, and there's like pictures and video. Like I still have the pictures; they come up on my my Google smart devices, right? In my picture roll, and it's like me, like younger Paul, holding potato cannons with Larry and like exploding laptops everywhere, and it was just. It was hilarious. We had a hearse. We put one of our hosts was called Twitchy. That was his name. It was Twitchy, and Larry had a hearse. Like I, I don't. He at some point in his life bought a hearse that had an actual coffin in it, 
And so we that put sounds, Twitchy. That sounds very Larry. Was the coffin empty? Yeah. It was okay, empty. <laughs> until, but until we, we put Twitchy in it and we caught a video of like Twitchy coming out of the coffin. It was it was craziness back in the day, man. It was there was a at one time there was uh Jackalope is a DJ. She uh, does a lot of stuff for DEF CON and such. She was uh DJing live in my basement uh for a special episode while like my wife was trying to sleep. Like it was it was crazy. There's been yeah. There was uh we would melt thermite through electronics. Uh, in in film it just like just destroy electronics happen. you just see what would happen and we do all day episodes and they'd, they'd be like melted electronics and vomit in my backyard all of this kind of led up to all of this kind of led up to my wife at some like uh, i'm surprised now that i describe all this stuff like i'm surprised it didn't happen earlier my wife kicking us out and going you need to get a studio and go do you can't all this you can't do this in the backyard take all, anymore take all these <laughs> sh- our, uh, my, my backyard would be covered in like there'd be like pieces of keyboard like keycaps everywhere pcs melted in thermite uh routers with like axe like that have been like slayed with an axe in my backyard <laughs> it was it was chaos our uh when we were at the college, our our web team managed a Google search appliance that uh, was hosted on on site, and they had such trouble with the dang thing that uh, when Google decommissioned it, they uh, Google didn't want it back, so they took it to one yeah. of their homes and they smashed it with like whatever they could find, very very office yeah, space did. style. I don't know if they played the song yeah. too, but yeah, we did a lot. We did a lot of that. And then um, speaking of Shmoocon, so. Larry basically took his knowledge of potato cannons and applied it to a ball launcher. And I was thinking about this the other day because I'm like really excited to go back to ShmooCon. So Larry had ultimately the last year they allowed him. I think this might have been the last year they allowed balls, <laughs> to be quite honest. So Larry had this uh, uh, car, like this kids radio uh, controlled car, like a, a Jeep. For the like kids ride in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he had a turret on it with a, a schmooball cannon, and it was all remotely controlled. And he had built multiple potato cannons and schmooball cannons, so they were the foam kind of stress balls uh, at Schmoocon. He had built a lot of of those prototypes. Someone basically had a leaf blower one year and converted it into something that would shoot schmooballs at people. Because if you disagreed with the presenter at the time, you would throw balls at them. So they started coming up with these ways to be creative about how to send as many balls as possible at the presenter. This culminated in Larry's uh, remote-controlled vehicle that had a turret that would launch a ball at something ridiculous like 400 feet per second. I mean, it was deadly. So he had to schmook on. Larry has to drive the thing to ShmooCon. We get to ShmooCon, and Bruce Potter is up there. I think he was, like, introducing a talk or something. It was, like, the debut of Larry's Schmooball cannon. And Larry fires a Schmooball at Bruce Potter at, like, 400 feet per second. And it goes thwap, and it hits Bruce, like, right in the rib cage. And I'm like, dude. You just killed Bruce Potter. That sounds dangerous. I'm like, I think he's dead. Like, you just killed, like, this wasn't the point of this experiment, Larry. Like, what? What just happened? And Bruce is like, oh, oh. I, I, I'm like, Bruce, we're, we're really, 
We're really sorry. So I didn't mean to. As, Larry didn't mean to almost kill you, assume, man. Like I'm sorry. Assume some of us don't know the composition of a shmoo ball. It's like a stress ball. Oh, it was like a. Okay. That's yeah, a little bit. So it's like, like a, a squishy, <laughs> a squishy. Yeah, but like at 400 yeah. feet per second. Okay. That's so you mean a, a stress ball? Okay, I agree. Yeah, good enough. And like I'm pretty sure after that is it's when they sting. said, "Yeah, no more. Yeah, no more shmoo balls. Sting. Yeah, no more shmoo balls." <laughs> this is, is what, why we can't have nice things, Paul. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Yeah. Basically, he built a friggin' yes. rail gun. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was awesome. There's a whole. I mean, the, that story. Can Larry got Mudge's attention with that? That launched DARPA fast track project. That was a federal project to give money to makers like Larry to do research yeah. and do. Because Larry gave a presentation on it. it. Was like I had to fund like basically. Like two or three thousand dollars, whatever it was, thousands of dollars. Not like, like maybe two, like isn't, not a lot. He's like, I, I paid for this all out of pocket. Isn't that the and much is like, isn't that the program that got Georgia her start? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Same lot, program. A lot of people yeah. got yeah. their start. Yep. Yeah. Mudge was like, I can fund a federal program so that you don't have to pay for the stuff out of out of pocket and can do cool research. That's cool. And so there was, that's that's the research. whole backstory. Of the whole thing. Research, but you know. <laughs> All right, so we've gone all over the place at this point. It has been an hour now. Um, maybe, maybe we should go to break. Um, I, anybody? I guess it, there's been a ton of chat, uh, folks. Uh, I mentioned Owncast earlier. We actually have Owncast live. If anybody wants to try it out, Owncast.ironsystem.com. Yet another there's, layer. There's chat there. This is all just an experiment for me. This may not live forever, but I'm curious if people want to try it. It's so research. If anybody's watching on either Twitch or YouTube and you want to try it, Owncast, head on over there. The stream's live there too. Uh, but we've had a ton of chat in all three platforms at this point. I really got to find a way to consolidate those <laughs> so that I can chat in one place and not have to go crazy looking at three different sources. But um, at any rate, uh, where I was going with that is if anybody in chat has any questions for Paul, go ahead and throw them in there and we'll try to get to them. Um, if I, Jason or Mark, you've been very <laughs> interactive here with Paul, but if you have anything you want to chat about before we close up and move on to the second half of the show, feel free to do that now. Any burning questions? I'm all right. All I got, all I got here Good is someone stuff. saying that Owncast is what, working. When cool. is what, what? When are when are the new uh, the new whiskey and shot glasses coming out? Yeah, so we it's it's a good question. So we've um, we've made a lot of stuff over the years to give out. Uh, I think someone in the chat was talking about hack naked shirts. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to send you. I still have a few like in storage. Uh, I'd love to send you those. Uh, we have made up shot glasses and, and things like that. Uh, not recently. So I'd love to hear like what people want. And I'll do my best to to, to push that and, and have some stuff uh, to, to give out to people. But yeah, we've made up uh, everything from t-shirts to shot glasses, lens cloths, all kinds of stuff uh, over the, the years. There was a, there was, did you have a series of, uh, cause I have one in the other room, the, the, the Whopper, uh, whiskey glasses. Uh, this is a, do you, uh, yeah. Shall yeah, we play we a game? Had, we had whiskey. Wasn't there a whole set? Was there supposed to be a whole set of them or a whole bunch of different sayings yeah, on them? Or there was, uh, I think they said hack the planet and shall we play a game? Um, which is interesting if you hit our YouTube channel on security weekly, 
uh, we did about 250 trivia questions live on the air with myself and most of our podcast hosts on the Security Weekly Network. It was one of the most fun podcasts I've ever done, to be the honest. Pictures, the pictures might be misleading. Yes. And it was it was so oh awesome. But a lot of the questions were focused on hacker movies. So hackers, sneakers, and war games. Uh, we had questions. And we, we love those movies so much um, that we, we had uh, glasses printed uh, with that stuff on them. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. That's that's uh, that was one of, that's one of your new uh, five questions of Security Weekly now, isn't it? I remember the the old questions yes. got uh, retired. Had to, I guess we we had to <laughs> keep up with the times, yeah, man. You know, right, right. I I was always I always wondered when that was going to change. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was nature. Yeah. You know, it's just a natural progression. We had nature. to change. It, so, yep. So we have a question from Jay Scar. And he says, as one of the early InfoSec podcasters, I'm assuming he means you, not him. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would be your suggestion for folks wanting to get into podcasting now? Oh, I, well, I first just do it. You know what I mean? Like, do don't it. do it now. So to, to quote Arnold, I have, a, now. I, have a, I have a spreadsheet with over 80 cybersecurity podcasts on it, but I don't want that to dissuade people from creating new podcasts and new takes on it and security, like just do it. And when you do it, come up with a plan to find your niche, right? Don't worry about appealing to everyone appeal to your niche. Uh, and, and definitely, definitely do it. You know, don't, don't let the kind of flooded market dissuade you. And the technology today to create a podcast is way better than the technology oh, yeah. was, you know, 15 it's years ago. It's better than it was five years ago um, when we started. Oh, things like heck things yeah. like Riverside yeah. didn't exist then. And that's that's what that's what Correct. makes recording this show a breeze now. Ask Jason yeah. how much it, of a pain so, in the ass it was the first time we recorded. <laughs> I, I listen I listen to most of the cybersecurity podcasts out there and I, I cycle through them. And so I still think there's niches that need to be that need to be filled. I think everyone loves a good story. Yeah. Um, so if you if you can if you are a good storyteller and want to tell a story, I think there's no shortage of people that want to hear a good story about security related things. Yeah. For as an example, right? Um, it was it was interesting. I was listening to the, one of my Linux podcasts, and they were like, "Oh, I listened to this podcast called Darknet Diaries. Like the way Jack told the story, it was really engaging. That's a great show." And I'm like. Yeah, like you, you can totally do yeah. that. Like I, I get it. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny, and Jay Scar can attest to this because he he's one of our coworkers. There's a there's a mm. there's a talk that I built for B sides Delaware mm. in 2018 about how I started Iron Sysamin, and it's basically called "So You Want to Start a Podcast," right? And I've I've yeah. revamped it over the years, and Jay Scar and I co-presented it to a group at Red Hat um, about a year ago, right? And about halfway through, right, I go through like how to get some basic groundwork laid. And then there's a there's like a transitionary point in the middle of the, of the presentation where I say, okay, now what, right? Like you've got, all, you've got your plan, what do you do now, right? Mm -hmm. And the intention of that transition is to say, everyone gets stuck here because they're like, it has to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Just start, start putting content out there. It's not gonna be great, just do it, right? So it's, yeah, it's great, great that you say the it's, same thing. It's great, yeah. <laughs> it's great advice, Nate. I, and I think that most of us, like on the show and listening, we're 
whether we're in IT or security, we're engineers by design, right? Like God basically made us to be engineers. And as engineers, we have this like kind of built-in notion that everything needs to be engineering complete, right. that it needs to be perfect, that we have to account for every variable, that we have to account for every uh, negative reaction. When it comes to creating content, you, you got to learn to put that to the side and go it. get the content out. Right. Just let it go, man. Is he going to sing? Just do it. Can't lead into your own. Well, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I can't trigger myself. You that just would not be you fair. You can't set yourself up for a tune. Okay. <laughs> no. No. All right. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, I think we are going to go to a break. Um, Paul, of course, you are welcome to stick around, and I hope you do. Um, Absolutely. Folks, you're listening to part one. If you're listening to the audio recorded version Ooh, no. of the show, you're going to want to listen to part two as well. Uh, that'll be part B. Just check your your podcasting app or however you're listening to the show. I think you'll it, get it there. I think if they got here, they'll figure that out, dude. You're probably like, you're probably right. You're probably right. But see, this is the thing I, I have hope. to do. I have to do to tell people <laughs> so they know. <laughs> I'd I'd like to think that our that our listeners and fans are right. slightly more intelligent yeah, than you, John. You got to think about the new listeners, the people who just tuned in because they heard Paul was going to be on the show, right? Oh, that's we want to put our that's best true. foot All forward. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, folks, if you want to watch this stuff live, you can do so on YouTube or Twitch or perhaps Owncast. I don't know if this will be a regular thing or not, but that's a thing. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Yeah, just look up the Iron System Man podcast. You can find us on Mastodon or Twitter, maybe forever, maybe not, I don't know. Uh, or mm-hmm. Facebook, just look for the Iron System Man podcast. Actually, no, on Mastodon, just... look for me, gangriff at social.underground.org. That'll be in the show notes. Um, otherwise, yeah. Uh, Paul, do you have any like last things? How do people want to find your shows or find you or whatever? Yeah, uh, you can go to securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe. Uh, and find all of our new shows there, uh, including one. And you can ask me about this in the next segment if you'd like. Uh, but I did create a new show that should be uh, launching the beginning of next year. So, new show. Ooh, That's episode cool. one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Hello, folks. Marty. We're going to take a short break, five, ten minutes tops, uh, get some new yeah. drinks, hit some restrooms, whatever we need to do. And then we will be back as soon as I find the waiting page. We'll be back I, like I always, Arnold. Always have trouble finding it. Here it is. All right, here we go. We'll be back in a few, folks. See you you after the break.